Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Interlude episode 28.5, Ultimate episode 66. So one of the really coolest things that happened very recently within the last two weeks is my parents came home from their mission. So they were serving an 18-month mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in upstate New York. Ironically, um, a, uh, a place that shares a name with uh, where I currently live now. And, uh, and it's been, I, I think I mentioned back around the Christmas time that my family and I went up to visit them. A lot of really fantastic uh, sites up there from Niagara Falls to uh, some of the great church sites to the Sacred Grove, which I think I spent some time on one of the podcasts discussing. It's a, it's a pretty incredible place up there. Um, and in fact, uh, one of the things, one of my favorite shows is uh, Eureka, which I realize takes place on the West Coast, like the Washington, Oregon area. But it, kind of a similar small town feel to the area that they were at in New York, um, as well as the other show that uh, my wife and I have been watching, uh, Haven, which is in Maine. Um, and again, kind of a, a similar feel to the whole small town thing. It's been great having them home. Uh, it, it's I hate to say it's not like they, they've been gone because it definitely feels like they have. But on the same token, uh, what's the old phrase? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's been really wonderful having them back. And one of the greatest things about having them back is to see my kids light up. Um, they love their family, extended and immediate. Uh, grandparents and parents and siblings and aunts and uncles and cousins alike. But I think that uh, with my parents being home and being gone for 18 months, uh, it's been it's been a, a fun thing to see the kids' eyes light up when they talk about seeing them, and the time that we've been able to spend with them lately has also been spectacular. So, uh, anyways, just a, a bit of really cool and exciting good news. Uh, moving on from there, you know, to talking about you know missions and what have you. Uh, moving on to kind of the spiritual point of this or the scripture that I've uh, studied recently. This is in Alma chapter twenty-three, verse seven. So this is where uh, the sons of Mosiah are visiting the Lamanites, and they're trying to preach to them the gospel. And some are having success, and some of them are not. And at one point. Um, the group of the believers get together and they decide that, you know, they've committed some pretty horrible atrocities and to help do recompense for that, they're going to get rid of their weapons of war. And so the scripture here specifically says, this is Alma 23, 7, for they became a righteous people. They did lay down their weapons of their rebellion, that they did not fight against God anymore, neither against any of their brethren. I like the word that is used in this passage, the concept of rebellion. Uh, There was an individual that I was friends with uh, growing up who, while I was gone on my mission, uh, this particular individual uh, began to get into uh, alcohol, Um, not something that this individual believed to be a good thing, at least before I left on my mission, and... um, I spent some time with this individual after I got home. Not a lot, uh, but a little bit of time. And this individual used the phrase, we all have our favorite sin. I've thought a lot about that phrase since then, and uh, that was quite a few years ago. And it's true. I think that we all have that one thing that we don't want to let go of, or in some of our cases, many things that we don't want to let go of, or that we want to justify to such a strong degree 
that it actually bleeds into other elements of our lives. Um, one of my favorite passages in the Book of Mormon in Ether chapter 12 is, uh, weak things can become strong. I've often interpreted that to mean that the weakness that we have doesn't necessarily in and of itself become the strength. The efforts to overcome that weakness teaches us to conquer weaknesses, which becomes our strength. But I also believe that the opposite is true. If we have a weakness and we allow it to exasperate itself eventually, then other things that may not have been as weak will become weaker by nature. So that's my spiritual thought for today and for this respective podcast. So normally at this point, I would phase into kind of my top five favorite somethings or least favorite somethings. And one of my biggest weaknesses has always been keeping any kind of significant journal. And I think that at this point in my life, it's important for me to try to recall things that have happened. Um, I think I've mentioned before that in my life, I have, uh, within the last handful of years, have gotten an IQ test. And as part of that, one of my weaknesses is my memory. And uh, especially since my parents have been back, uh, I've been kind of called out on a number of occasions about not remembering things, especially from my childhood. Not so much from my parents, but as my parents have been home and others have been around, things have been recalled that I just don't remember. And so I'm going to use a little bit of this podcast as almost like a journal and, and relate things that have happened, but in a chronological sort of way and somewhat specific um, to try to, uh, I don't know, help recall and, um, and most of it's comical. So hopefully you'll find some entertainment value out of this. So what I'd like to start with is vehicles that I have either driven on a consistent basis or owned in the course of my life. Um, Each one of them has kind of a different flavor or a different context to it. Um, Certain vehicles have really stood out in my mind and in some respects in a very, very negative light. But in every respect, there's been a lesson taught. So I'm going to start, and and with each one of these until I get to the end of the line, I'll try to cover three of them if time permits uh, with these podcasts. So um, I'm going to start with the very first vehicle that I really learned to drive on was my father's red pickup truck. It was a 1992 Toyota pickup. This was before it had a sub name to it um, or a model name to it. Uh, but it was basically the pre-Tacoma. This truck had a little four-banger engine in it. It had manual everything. So manual steering. It was a, a five-speed uh, stick shift. Um, if you wanted to put it in four-wheel drive, you had to manually lock in the hubs. Um, it had you know windows you had to actually roll up and roll down. Uh, you know manual locks on it. Uh, the whole bloody truck was manual. And I will tell you what, it was one of the most fantastic vehicles. Got amazing gas mileage, could haul a surprising amount of stuff. Needless to say, this is what I learned to drive on. Um, and it was a great place or a great thing to learn. My, my parents lived kind of on a, um, a leveled out portion of a hill. And so there was a bit of a road you had to climb up. And at one point, it's fairly steep. And so... Uh, I had to learn how to, you know, stop and then uh, start again 
from a dead stop with a clutch on this hill. And it was a great learning experience. Terrifying in lots of respects, don't get me wrong, but a great learning experience. Um, the sad thing is, is as you know, I got older, I was really hoping that one day I'd be able to buy that truck from my dad. I mean, this is one of those things where he would go out in the morning and somebody would have a note under the winch, under the, uh, the wiper blade that said, you know, if you want to sell your truck, call me at this number. Um, the sad truth is, is he was driving through an intersection on his way into work one day and somebody blew through the red light and just obliterated the truck. Um, so sad loss. Thankfully, my father wasn't hurt in the accident. You know, that's the good part of the story, but needless to say, that was, that was a sad moment. Um, no, uh, no vehicle to pass on, I guess. The, the next vehicle that I remember driving uh, was also one of my dad's vehicles for a construction uh, a company that he owned. And it was this, um, I'm trying to remember the year, I want to say it was like a 1972 GMC pickup. And this was like one of those old school trucks where it had the iron bumper on the front with the winch on it. It was, I think it was a three-quarter ton, so it had this really long bed on it. And because of the bumper on the front, it was an even longer vehicle. Um, the faster you drove, the faster the windshield wipers went. Um, I mean, it was automatic, so that was one of the things that separated it from the previous truck that I had driven. Um, I have a couple of stories about this particular truck. Uh, I won't spend the time digging into the one other than, needless to say, I did something really stupid in it one time, and... Um, bent that front bumper in a, in an L shape. Um, and so to fix it, because I didn't want to get into trouble, is I got out a sledgehammer. And thankfully, I was moderately smart enough to use a block of wood to not dent it and bent the bumper back level again. Um, it's uh, a long story. I will share one day. But needless to say, um, that was uh, one of the unique experiences with that thing. The other unique experience was um, at the time I was uh, dating a girl who really, I, I would argue, was not right for me. And uh, we certainly weren't right for each other for a variety of reasons. And I, uh, I don't know, there was a part of me at this point in my life that was really kind of looking to break it off with her. And uh, one day we were in high school, we were at the cafeteria, and uh, we were talking, me and a group of people, so it wasn't just her and I, there was six or seven of us there, we were talking about vehicles, and I had mentioned this truck I was driving. Um, it was a big beastly truck, and uh, she made some comment to the effect of, uh, that is the ugliest truck, and you need to learn to drive it. I know that she was joking when she said this. But um, I broke up with her that day, <laughs> and that was kind of the, the catalyst for it. So um, warning, don't insult someone's vehicle or how they drive it. Um, okay, and then that one moves me over to uh, the last vehicle I'll mention in this podcast. This is one of my most memorable vehicles, certainly, uh, and it was a 1962 Ford Falcon. And it was a fun vehicle to have. It had a bench in the front and a bench in the back. Uh, when we got the, tr the, the car, it didn't have seatbelts, so we had to get those installed. Um, the horn had rotted out, and so they had to install one and put a little bumper uh, or a little button under the dashboard. Um, it had a straight six engine with a one barrel carburetor, 
and it had a three on the tree, which for those of you who don't know what that means is it's a stick shift, but instead of having the stick shift on the floor like most cars would that are uh, manual, it actually had it in the column and it had a really thin uh, stick that you kind of drove with. And so you know, when you imagine yourself driving down the road and you're like switching gears and you're thinking you're all awesome, you can't really feel like that when you've got this little tiny thing that you're shifting up on the neck of the, of the steering column. Having said that, it was a super fun car. It had little flaps that color, covered the, uh, the, locking, the locks on the doors. So you had to kind of slide them open to get the key in to unlock it. Um, the uh, the, the ignition was actually in the dashboard as opposed to in the column where you inserted the key. Um, we, uh, we bought an external stereo to put in this. So there was a uh, 12 CD disc changer that we put in the trunk and then four surround sound speakers that we put into. This was the first experience I had with any kind of electrical work. Um, and uh, so, so the car was somewhat arguably gutless as far as like, you know, really being able to use it to go places fast or, uh, you know, climb big hills. But it was a classic and it was so much fun because you could cram a bunch of people in there, uh, especially in the wintertime because, you know, trying to heat a vehicle that old took a bit of effort. But uh, it was it was so much fun. Uh, and this was a car I had tons of experiences in. I uh, went to homecoming my junior year in that one. Ironically, with my wife now, granted she wasn't my wife then, but, um, and, uh, you know, we, we uh, <laughs> I was on the freeway one time going to a debate tournament and the gas pedal got stuck to the floor. Uh, so you hear stories about some vehicles that have had that in the last 20 years and people have died in fiery wrecks with that. I can personally attest to, I've experienced that before and I didn't die in a fiery wreck. So um, key, put it into neutral, shut it off. <laughs> okay, that's what I ended up doing and it worked out fine. Um, yeah, that was a uh, that was a fun car to drive. Uh, the one experience that I will I will share with you that was one of my moron moments. I got up to work, go to a school one morning. Uh, it had snowed all night long. It was very very cold. I go out to get in my car, and that little flap I was telling you about that goes over the the key had frozen shut. And uh, I, and I have a I have a circulation disorder called Raynaud's, and my my hands get very very cold, and when they get cold enough, uh, some of the muscle kind of fails a little bit, and I didn't have the strength to break the ice on that. So I ran in the house, uh, got a cup of water, not warm water, just water, and kind of splash a little bit over the lock so that I could break the ice and get in there and unlock my car. And it worked. It worked fine. I didn't damage anything. And as I'm getting in the car and I still have this cup of water on me, I'm looking at the windshield, which I'm going to have to scrape because the defroster was going to take some work. And it occurred to me, why don't I splash some water on the windshield? Brilliant moment. Obviously one of my smartest moments in my life. So I took the water and splashed it across the windshield. Lucky me, it didn't shatter the windshield on contact because it very, very easily could have. Um, But what it did do is it immediately refroze the windshield. And so there was no chance I was going to scrape that off or defrost it in time to get to school. And so from my house to the school is all downhill and, and probably a good five miles or give or take, maybe more. I can't remember for sure. And so what I ended up doing was... Uh, taking the glass back in the house while the car was running, trying to warm up, got in the car, rolled down the driver's window. And while I'm driving to school, I had to keep my head out the window so I could still see. Uh, I made it to school safely, admittedly very, very, very cold. And I think that in the entire drive, my windshield didn't defrost even the slightest. 
So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm expressing a lot of moron moments in this particular podcast. Needless to say, hopefully you've been entertained, and uh, I, I look forward to sharing some of my other experiences with, with uh, cars with you or vehicles that I have owned over the years. Uh, to end this podcast, I, I thought this joke was rather befitting, especially given my parents just getting home. Uh, the definition of a mom, a person who loves you unconditionally. The definition of a momster. What happens to a mom after she counts to three? Smile, be happy, have a spectacular week, and remember that you're worth it. Thanks for listening.